Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. Today we are kicking off summer. Yay! Whether it's Yay! officially summer where you are or not. <laughs> you get to start summer with Fable and the Verbivore. Yeah. Um, the last few years of the podcast in the summer, we have always picked something to geek out about basically <laughs> some uh, pop culture reference or something we just enjoy and then we've taken the summer to kind of dissect it and dig into it and um, see what we can learn from this thing so the first summer mm -hmm. we did pixar and we talked about pixar's 22 rules of storytelling and as well as it's 22 right <laughs> and we talked about a couple of specific Pixar movies that we enjoy and kind of what they did well and what we can learn from them and then last year we talked about Star Wars and Yay. dug into pretty much the whole saga yep. <laughs> so you can look back at those episodes if you're interested in that this year we are kicking off something a little different and we are talking about Marvel for the summer and Yay. all the Marvel franchise and movies and storytelling yeah. and all of that. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. But we thought it would be interesting to start off today talking just generally about comics as a genre almost and that kind of as a storytelling technique, what we can learn from comics, you know, how we define them, that kind of thing. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like this section is something that I'm like, I never really realized how much I wanted to do it until we started mm. talking about it. And then I realized how much comics actually were like an important story telling kind of me being able to unpack what different stories themselves do. And so we can talk about um, things kind of more generally of the different comics mm -hmm. out there and we will, but I'd like to first, you know, comics really, you know, they're visual, but they yeah. also have words and the words are so important mm -hmm. in the meaning. And I think reminding ourselves that stories in different forms can teach us different skills about writing. Yes. And that's, I think, my biggest takeaway of comics is I've actually read several novels that are in graphic novel form. Yeah. And it's amazing how much of the feel of the story they have, even though it's condensed, even though they yeah. cut out all of these things, they still keep the kind of essence of the story. Yeah. And I think that's one of the best things that it does. It shows you how dialogue can be concise and can be really boiled down to that. Mm. What is the meaty thing that we need said um, versus all of the distractor yeah. things. Yes. And, and often that makes it work so much better when you can cut all of that additional stuff out that may just muddy the waters getting it to like, okay, what is the intent of this? Like, what is the gist of this scene? And what are the important bits? That's such a great point. Like, I mean, I think that's something we can also learn from things like short stories and flash yeah. fiction that this, and even poetry, as we were talking about recently, like that skill of what is essential and what is yes. necessary and like boiling something down to its core. And you're absolutely right. The comics do that. Like you can't, you don't have hundred pages of text to like exposit on all of these things. <laughs> so you have to figure out how can I communicate this thing as quickly as possible and mostly through dialogue. You know, obviously it's not all dialogue, but it is largely through dialogue, which is an interesting skill too. Like dialogue 
poor dialogue is one of the quickest reasons I will put down a book or DNF a book. Like it just drives me crazy. And it's a skill that you really need to have as a writer. Like I think everybody can always use more work on their dialogue. And I think reading comics are a good way to do that for sure. And I think a story that you know and are familiar with, um, I, I brought a like stack of the ones that I like. There's actually one uh, of Twilight that's okay. out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's actually beautifully done. It's um, drawn and ad- adapted by mm-hmm. a, a beautiful artist named Young Kim. And she collapsed it down in a beautiful way. And I think studying the mm-hmm. two of yeah. what was retained, what, what was kind of maybe wasn't essential. Um, There's a beautiful one of Pride and Prejudice um, that I love. And it's a story I know so closely that I can tell what's missing. Like I can Mm. tell what's not there. And that I really think helps in this, that sorting through, like sorting down of that, how would you edit this in a way so when it's something that you already know, it's kind of like yeah. you're, you're getting those skills in something in a very concrete way when I think editing can be so abstract that you almost feel like you come to your own work and you're like, I could cut out 10% or 20% and I don't really know yes. how to stop or <laughs> maybe I don't know how to start. Yeah. I'm seeing how someone else has adapted something Um Percy Jackson, actually, there's a lot of Rick Riordans out there, um, the original series, you know, The Lightning Thief, something that you're really familiar with that then takes that and adapts it. There's even, um, there's a manga, and I loved this, of Marie Kondo's The Sacred Art of Tidying. Uh-huh. And, and I love that. It's a, it's a nonfiction, but uh-huh. it took those concepts and it boiled them down. And I think looking at the comparison of what it was in original form and what then it was adapted into can yeah. kind of help with that. So um, that's such a great now. practice or exercise to like find yes. some, like to go out looking for <laughs> comics or, you know, these short and condensed versions of the stories that you're familiar with. That's yeah. such a great idea. I hadn't even thought of that. And I think the same thing can be done with, you know, we were talking about Jurassic Park fairly recently. Yeah. When there's a screenplay of a book yeah. that you like, seeing what they kept and what they didn't. Um, yeah. Because that too can help you like figure out what was important. And right. if they do it wrong, yes. <laughs> that might be really good too. Because you can Absolutely. be like, what did Why? they miss? Yeah. yeah. Um, Why does this um, not work? Why does it work? Yeah. Yes. And even sometimes I think with movies, like they, sometimes they change things and it like doesn't work and it makes me really upset. And I'm Absolutely. like, no, you cannot change that. And then other times they'll change things and I'm like, oh, that works. I get why they yes. did it for a movie and like picking that apart can be really interesting. Absolutely. And I, I think part of that like comes from a love of the material, I think, or a connection to the material. It doesn't even have to be a love of yeah. it. I think that if you respect the original and can then see whatever your medium is that you're trying to shift it into, then you're more likely to keep the essence of it. If you missed it, if you were just on the superficial side of the story, that's where you start making choices that you're like, why the heck did they change the cat in Hunger Games? Like, what did that accomplish? And you know that the cat is more, you know, gets more important as the story goes on. So there's things like that where you're like, I don't know if they really had connected deeply with this story because they changed something that has implications yeah. later on. And I do think having a passion for what it is you're working on 
whether it's something that you're adapting or something that you're working on for the first time, like finding that enthusiasm for it can help you retain that kind of protectiveness over what it is you're trying to create. I think the other thing that we gain from comics, in addition to that condensing, is also this addition of the visual, you know, like, yes, (laughs) we are at a little bit of a loss as novel writers or fiction writers, like we don't have that benefit. And yet I think we can learn from the visuals how to describe and better bring visual qualities into even our writing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and what visuals they include, because Mm -hmm. we still have to choose what to Mm -hmm. describe and they can't describe everything. I am going to admit something that... (laughs) I go to Fan Fusion all the time, which is Phoenix's version of Comic-Con. My husband is an enthusiast for Spawn Comics. And so I've heard Todd McFarland, who created it, speak. And he was talking about how when he speaks with other artists who are trying to create comic books, what he sees most often is they draw so many panels of things that they don't need. He described it as kind of having art that is in motion where you can get the sense of what the motion forward is so that it doesn't feel like it's stuck on the page. Like it doesn't feel like it's nailed down. It feels like you get the arc of even like if you're on a road, you get the curve of where the road is going. And I loved how that kind of described motion Yes, from a visual perspective, but I think we can do that too, that sometimes we describe something and it's like, but if you describe the motion of it, it would be so much more interesting than something that's just like stuck down and that feels like it's like, well, or the, even the negative of something. So Mm -hmm. saying that the person didn't move rather than saying that the person, you know, the one thing that is moving, the one thing that is in action, Uh um, you know, the bead of sweat that's like going down their face, what is moving, putting what's not sometimes can be very like, there's, there's not a lot of tension there (laughs) in like, oh, it didn't do anything. But, but having what is, you know, even if that person is still what's moving around it, like what's actually having that energy. That's such an interesting point. I think that it also makes me think like, like movement leads to something else. And so it makes me think like, if you can remove a panel and it doesn't do anything, if you can remove a description and it doesn't change anything, like if you can remove a whole scene and it doesn't affect anything, then it probably isn't needed. You know, it doesn't need to be there. Um, Or can you think of a way that it, it can include some connection to some movement into and out of the things around it so that it, flows um rather than just like being this stagnant pool that the reader gets stuck in almost absolutely well and we don't think of it that way right we don't often think of it as when a reader gives you the time in order to read those words like they're trusting you that this has some bearing on it if it's not like that will be something that I'm like, I do not trust that this person actually, like the amount of time I'm investing in these words to take it, to read it, is not paying off in that way, Mm -hmm. in that it's going somewhere. As writers, sometimes we're like, oh, but it's our art. And, you know, but to be honest, like we have to consider our (laughs) audience. Well, and we're storytellers, right? And the essence of story is something happening. It's something moving. It's something like leading to something, you know, I mean, it's Aristotle's law of like, 
A has to lead to B, which has to lead to C. Like it, it, yes. these things can't be disconnected. And if they are, then you might not have a story. You might have just yes. a lot of description or telling about something or someone, yes. you know, like, and that's different. Sin City is a very interesting comic and movie. I don't love it. Um, but what I find interesting about it is it's vignettes. It's the short mm-hmm. vignettes that are interconnected. You don't really realize how they're woven until they cross. Yeah. And it's it's such a strange grouping of them. But every time I've seen it, like there are definitely parts of this movie I hate. But the very opening is my favorite part. It's the weirdest little vignette of someone coming out and all of a sudden like the lightning goes and someone changes color and you're like wait what's happening uh-huh. and then you have this really emotional back and forth moment and it's very surprising mm-hmm. and it's something that's this bittersweet the character doesn't really play a huge interconnection to the rest of the story, but they do come back into play later on. Yeah. It's one of those that I'm like, this is the greatest hook I've ever seen that is almost completely unconnected to the narrative. Yeah. But it it got me. It was, I was there. I was connected to the two characters and I wanted to see what happened. And yeah. since the aesthetics were there too, it was beautiful. It, it was something that I think even studying the scene as it's drawn or Uh portrayed in the movie, and I'll link it in, it's fascinating just to see what they do, especially with having the black and white and then using like this flash of color, I think highlights it. We've talked about contrast before in a way that's really visually interesting and it just pulls you in the story part and the visual just gets you. And I think that's such an interesting point. Like if you're doing a story in vignettes, or even if you're having changes of points of view, like obviously one scene isn't necessarily going to lead right into the next scene. And so you have this added challenge. Like you do have this hard stop um, almost as you switch to the different story or the different perspective or the different whatever. And so you have an added challenge of like, how can I still pull the reader forward? And in order to do that, I think you do have to make it even more interesting than you would if you didn't do that, you know, like then yeah. if it was just one perspective or one story, um, because you have to make it interesting enough that the reader trusts you to come back to it and wants you to come back to it and wants to see how this will play in. And it does have to play in because if it doesn't, Absolutely. again, it's not needed. Like, like even that one you were saying, like they yeah. might not play a big part, but it has to come back yes. into the story at some point later on. And it's part of the punchline. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, as we look at that, as you said, it is important. It's one of those that you get something. It's like this missing puzzle piece that when it shows up, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, mind blown moment. And that's, that is the power of story. Like the, how you unfold those things, the order in which you do has that weight and has that bearing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny how the opening makes me feel of like, Six of Crows, have we've talked about? Yes. Um, it almost plays out a portion of it in miniature, and this does something very different. But it does kind of mirror that, and you know what the end result is because of a piece in that first yeah. scene. Yeah, I think that's really so much of what comics can show us. Though is they're so good at that. They're so good at condensing a story to its essence and still having it pull forward. You know, like. 
comics in a lot of ways are kind of the ultimate page turner, right? Like at least, you know, like as a kid, they're so easy to consume. They're so easy to consume. And there's so much you can learn from that. Like what makes the story this easy to consume? What makes it so accessible? What makes it so appealing? Because they are really appealing. Like it's fun to read a comic. (laughs) It is so much fun because we've talked about, you know, fiction is life with the boring parts removed yes and it l- literally removes every single boring, boring part, part. <laughs> yes. like it's, it's all gone yeah and every single thing had to fight for its place in there and yes and that's it's delightful to just read things or see things that are all the good parts which doesn't necessarily mean like the happy parts like yeah, usually yeah. <laughs> every single emotion is present I love also that hold nothing back attitude to comics. Aaron actually once got a comic that was like included, it was like dinosaurs and cops. It was nuts. Like it was one of these crazy things that you're like, what? But that's the joy that is comics. Like literally nothing is out. Like it's all on the table and it can be ridiculous. It can be completely something that's, you know, I, I mean, Ant-Man, like even just the concept sounds really like, and the name sounds so ridiculous. But that's the thing is like, none of that is ridiculous. It, it, the form naturally leans into that dialogue to 11. Yeah. Have characters Try anything. That, yeah. Yeah. That are really strong or really like different and extremes in different yeah. ways which I think is part of why it's so interesting too, is we've talked about when there's high conflict, when there's difference or, or even when there's similarity and they can see themselves in each other. And I think that not at all backing away, like the leaning hard into all of that is part of why it's dramatic. It's interesting. There's always the world is about to end. It just, it allows those stakes to be really, really, high and it allows us mm-hmm. each to like go in and lean in and feel like if some this were to happen the world is going to end yeah and I think exploring that with the you know yeah maybe the stakes don't always have to be that dire sure. but sometimes physically sometimes when we do play with that and we we don't shy away from the emotion behind it from the big mm-hmm. emotions we can get something really special out of that that's such a great point I hadn't really thought of that but you're you're absolutely right that comics really explore those extremes and that like free-for-all creativity (laughs) with high stakes Um, so I think that's absolutely right that they can be a great source for studying high stakes and for studying just the limits of the imagination even a little bit for inspiration it's interesting. I, I've actually recently watched one. And so I, I will start talking about DC because we have to at yeah. least touch on them. The Batman actually recently came out with um, Robert Pattinson as the Batman, Zoe Kravitz as the Catwoman. And Batman was originally from Detective Comics. Like it was a book that was dedicated to detectives and his history, his um, really his origin was as a detective. Huh. And what I loved about it is it kind of went back, 
even though there's years and years and years of comic history there of story that sure. they could have mined, they kind of went back to that origin story of the detective comics and kind of huh. leaned in so hard with the detective noir, the terrifying villains who believe a hundred percent in what it is they're doing. And you actually get mm-hmm. all of that, why they're doing what it is they're doing. Like it fully leaned into the, this person thinks that they are right because this thing happened to them and explains all of that. It's none of that paper villain. They just want to destroy the world, (laughs) which can get old. And really when there's not that additional depth, like when a character is just trying to destroy the world, we don't have any of that backstory when we don't have any of that context. It feels cliche. It doesn't feel like it's grounded in any type of emotion. And kind of seeing that interesting revisiting and reimagining of Batman, but actually back to his source, Uh um, was really fascinating. And if anyone needs like a grim story where they really want to study a villain that does really terrible things for a very in his mind, valid reason. Uh, The Riddler in that film is just disturbing and amazing. Like, it's just crazy. Now I'll have to go see it. (laughs) It's funny because I actually, I love detective stories. So that's one of the reasons why I like Batman. It's one of the reasons why I, that girl was actually one of my first comics that I collected because she is also a detective. She's played by... um, like the character is Commissioner Gordon's daughter, uh, Barbara oh, Gordon, becomes that girl. And it's not just like the hero side, it's doing the actual like figuring it out sort of work, sure. um, which is fascinating. I love that about comics that one, if you went back to Batgirl, she has like three iterations. That girl actually gets shot in um, a comic called The Killing Joke. And so she becomes paralyzed and she transitions to a hero called Oracle that's able to use her mind, her ability with uh, computers Mm. to do similar things, but in a new and different way with the birds Mm. of prey. And I love how those stories kind of come in and out of each other, that there's a lot of different things you can find out about that type of crossover or long-term storytelling within comics as well. Yeah, you get these like elaborate sagas where the the, the actual story of an individual comic will be very condensed and yet the story of a character is very expanded. That is really interesting. Do you mind if I talk about another one that I really enjoy? I think it actually has something else to give to us. There's been so many retellings about different fairy tales that have kind of come into play that sometimes I think we almost have exhausted all of those. But my one of my favorite comics is actually Fables by uh, Bill Willingham. And it's a fascinating one because it actually takes the big bad wolf and Snow White and they end up being kind of a duo of... She actually runs like the city in the mundane world so our world which is a world without magic and he is a he is basically the kind of strength who's you know the sheriff of the Uh mundane 
what's amazing about the storytelling is they just grab fairy tale characters from all over the place and give them like we know what their story was, but they change uh-huh. that those stories in fun and interesting interesting ways as they go mm. into the new world, into the mundane, the Monday. And you have like Cinderella being a spy. And <laughs> what I love is like reading comics reminds you that your your imagination can be a lot more out there than we think. Yeah. And by seeing how other people envision these characters, change them, do fun things with them. Um, and it Prince Charming has actually like been married three times. <laughs> he, he is the same prince from Snow White story and Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella. And I love that. That's I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> and I think like taking that lens and really shifting it and saying, okay, like what could we mash up here? What could yeah. we, how could we look at something different and really explore and really mine what's there? Because we have the stories, yeah. you know, we have characters that we can do fun things with. It's just giving us those ideas that kind of spark new ideas within ourselves. So true. Okay. So <laughs> yes. go read some comics. <laughs> Have a little fun. Pretend you're 12 again. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, explore something new and see what you can learn about storytelling from it. See how writers of that particular art form use these tools and yeah. use things like high stakes and random creativity and um, condensing a story and visuals to to portray what they, the story they want to tell. So thanks for joining us. And we look forward to future weeks of talking about Marvel with you. Keep reading, keep writing, and keep putting your work out into the world. 